Today, I am interviewing Julie Murphy, leader of Oakwood Leadership, an expert in rewiring your brain for resilience, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence. I asked Julie if she's ever played it small or played down her trade so that others will like her more. And that is where we start off in this interview. Not sure. It wasn't, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it was a moment. There's not a moment in time. It was just this underlying sense of dissatisfaction. And so that's, sort of, I think that's separate and apart from getting, from my getting triggered, because my getting triggered is, um, you know, someone that would say something or someone would challenge me, and I get really angry, but I, I would sort of shut down and not be able to, like, I, I would just shut down, I'd go blind. Yeah. Um, so it was more about understanding why did I do that? And that wasn't about playing small. That was about sort of stuff that happened when I was younger that got established. Right. And I just had to pick it apart to understand it and, and undo that, the power that had over me. Yeah. And I find that it's just, you know, really those are put in place to keep people safe, you know, to keep you safe when you're younger, but yeah. they don't serve us when we're older. So I wouldn't peg you for somebody that would shut down or even play small. Like I know that feeling of shutting down when somebody challenges you or I wonder if yeah. that, is that just a you thing or do you think that is like a, a women specifically thing? Well, I have a, I have a lot to say about that issue. I think in our society, in our culture, that feeling having emotions is not okay. So I think as I think as children, we are shamed into not crying, not expressing anger, and, and girls especially, that it's not nice to be angry and it's not nice to, you know, if, if you cry, you're making someone else feel bad. So I yeah. think we all shut down our emotions. And part of my process in the last, I would say, 10, 10 years is to really own my emotional states and be present with them and nothing is bad. When I'm angry, it's very useful information. When I'm sad, it's very useful information. So part of my mindfulness process has been to just be aware of what I'm feeling and be present with it. And when you're present with it, it, it's not, it doesn't become this huge thing. Um, a couple of years ago, about four years ago, I remember I, was, I woke up one morning and I felt horrible. And I went to the gym to go to a spin class and I love spin and it makes me happy. And I got on the bike and I thought, wow, I still feel horrible. And I did a class, sweat, sweat, huffed and puffed, all the stuff I love. At the end of the spin class, I felt horrible. I went into the weight room and I sat down on a bench to start lifting weights. And I just, I just stopped and I checked in and I went, this is despair. This feeling I feel this morning this is despair. And as soon as I named it, it went away. But most of us push that despair or that anger or that sadness away, or we eat a lot, or we drink a lot, or we watch a lot of TV, or we go on Facebook. We do anything we can to stay away from that feeling when the feeling is, is just there. And it's, and it's going to move eventually. But there's a, a phrase called name it to tame it that and I teach this when I teach mindfulness that if we name our emotions 
just say, oh, I'm angry, I feel anger right now, um, often it helps lessen the experience of it. Hmm. That's funny that you say that um, because I, I, through this process of like being more myself, you know, I've had like days where I feel like, I don't know if it's despair, but it's just like a sadness, like in my heart area, like I'm not living authentically. And so I just attribute it to like transition, but were there any physical symptoms for you when you were starting to go be more on your path and align with your true self? Well, I think the it's interesting because I started getting more in touch with my emotions through this radiant reflection um, coaching facilitation process. Um, and back then, because I had been so shut down emotionally, and my family, my extended family is very shut down. I come from two parents who, for a lot of reasons, my mother is Swedish and Norwegian, mm -hmm. and the Scandinavians are very reserved, very, um, there's not a lot of emotional display at all. Yeah. Um, and my father lost both of his parents by the time he was 13, so he has his own, his other, you know, his own stuff. Um, but my family is just very unemotional. And, and so I, in that, in that facilitation process, I got that there's, you know, that emotions really rattled me and that I had fought very hard to keep them at bay. And once I started noticing when I got triggered, I used to, I, at work, I would go to a meeting and I would come back to my office and realize I was shaking because someone had said something in a meeting. And at that point, I understood, Julie, you have no idea what you're feeling. And so what I would do is sit down at my desk, I'd get a piece of paper out, and I'd write, Julie, what are you feeling right now? And almost always, the first answer was either anger or annoyance, because that was my knee-jerk reaction. And I would write that on a piece of paper, and then I would sit there. And then I would, then I would like sort of let it settle. And then I would go, oh, no. What I feel is I feel like I was just dismissed or disrespected, um, and that makes me feel sad. And so it's like I would get through the knee-jerk emotion and then just be present with the other more subtle and more vulnerable emotions. And it's like I had to retrain myself to just say, this is it. And the more I did that, the less triggered I got because the more I was understanding about how I'm wired and what's going on and what my blind spots are. And then I got into this, a couple years later, got into this um, mindfulness training program for a year. And my mindfulness practice was like the next layer of building that self-awareness. And I think out of any skill that anyone could develop, self-awareness is it. it. It's just most of us do not really understand our strengths, our weaknesses, what makes us tick. And the more we can get in touch with that, the more powerful we become. Your emotions and what triggers you. Yeah. And then you and say, yeah, good. Can I just say something yeah. about that? You, it sounds easy. It sounds really simple. Most people have no idea what they feel, but then most people label what they feel as wrong or bad. 
And so part of that process is the, and this is where mindfulness comes into play. Part of the process is to just be present and observe what is. Not make it right or wrong, not push it away, not be scared of it. Just say, huh, oh look, I'm, you know, I'm feeling dismissed. That feels really tender and vulnerable in my heart. And I just be present with it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, it is a little bit cringeworthy though. I know what you mean about our society is like, you know, no emotions. It feels so embarrassing when you do let them out though a little. Do you agree? <laughs> well, I think it's embarrassing because we've been taught to be ashamed of who we are and what we feel. And I think stepping into your bigness is, is part of it is about owning who you are, what you feel, what you think, and all of it being okay. Okay. So I do want to get back to the layers. So first one is what you feel. getting and really Without judgment. I can... I can um... One thing to the layering. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> one of the very important parts of mindfulness is being present with what is without judging yourself or judging the experience. And this is, this is a lot of what I teach. So when we're, for the most part, we're pretty judgmental people, you know, mo all of us. So we go into situations and we say, I like this, I hate this, I want more of the things I like, I wanna push away and get away from the things I don't like. And those two states of either loving something or hating something is what causes us pain because we never have enough of the things we love and we, we can't avoid the things that we hate. But this practice of just being present, if you sit down and follow your breath for 10 minutes a day, you start noticing you have thoughts, they come and they go. You might feel cold, you might feel hot, it's okay. Just being there with it is like lifting a weight and strengthening a muscle of just being present and not changing anything. Um, so, so that we become less reactive to the things we love and the things we hate. And, and it's funny because the less reactive we get, the more you notice how reactive everyone else is around you of, you know, even when you go out for dinner, I hate this piece, this thing I'm eating, and I love this thing that I'm eating and, and God, I wish they had made this part different. And it's just these strong likes and dislikes that drive us crazy what if we didn't have strong reactions at all? What if we were just, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. It, it allows us to be calmer and more satisfied with things if we're not reacting to everything going on in our lives. Hmm. Yeah, that's good to think about. Yeah, because I can attribute, like, maybe the pain that I'm experiencing is from something, like, that I'm wishing I had that I don't, I feel like I don't have. So that oh. makes sense. Okay. Then this brings me to, uh, this will be my new last question. So if, oh, if women, I'm, I don't want to generalize here, but this is kind of a general question. If women find themselves getting reactive too much in their life, they reach a point where everything is like triggering them. You know, I feel like I'm being dismissed too much and it's making them look a little bit reactive where would you tell them to go next? Like, what, what does that mean, signal to you? 
So I, this is something I teach in every class I've ever taught is this, there's, there's something that process of getting triggered is a physiological response. It's not because we're bad people. It's because our body is responding to stimulus. So one of the things I teach is that there's a part of our brain called the amygdala that is, they, they're, there's different names for it, but the alarm center is one of the, the terms that it's been given. And what is happening is there's a part of our brain that is scanning our environment all the time for any threat to our lives. And hundreds of years ago, that was really important because we could have been, you know, killed by wild animals, saber-toothed tiger, whatever. Um, but in this day and age, our, our physical life, you know, our survival isn't at risk 24 hours a day. It just isn't. But we still have that part of our brain that reacts to something that we, we of you have ever sent, pushed send on an email that you regretted after you pushed it. And everyone raises their hand. And people look really embarrassed when they, when they raise their hand. And what I say is that something in that, that, whatever you were responding to felt like a threat. And so you acted out and got triggered and acted out and sent a response that wasn't your best. Um, so, so the amygdala re reacts, and what happens when the amygdala reacts, we go into fight, flight, or freeze, and it cuts off the, the connections to our prefrontal cortex, which is the, the thinking, rational part of our brain. And we don't, we don't do things that are great when our prefrontal cortex is cut off from, from the rest of our brain. So what I teach is ways to slow the process down and everyone should know when your amygdala is in reaction mode. Julie explains the step-by-step -step process of how to handle an emotional reaction so that you don't do something you will regret later. And you're in fight, flight, or freeze. You're not at your best and you're not thinking rationally. So the first thing you do is just stop and don't do anything. Don't say anything. Don't send an email. Don't physically do something. Stop and take a few breaths. Pause, take a few breaths, deep, deep breaths into your belly. And then just notice what's going on in your body. So you can say, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling? What are the, what are the emotions I'm having right now in this reaction? And where do I feel those emotions in my body? So you just sense, do I, is my tight, is there tightness in my chest? Is my throat constricted? Am I hot? Do I want to run? Um, name your emotions. So I am feeling anger. I'm feeling rage, whatever. And just be present with it. And then think about, is this touching in on something that's from my childhood? So for me, feeling dismissed was a trigger. If I ever felt dismissed, and that goes right back to my childhood. Well, if I become a conscious about that connection, I might go, oh yeah, oh, okay, this, is, this has a lot more to do about me than, than that other person. And then ask yourself, what would my best self do in this, in this situation? Um, so you're basically picking apart some aspects of your reaction and what, what just happened. Um, and if you do all that, then you might have a different reaction. 
but th there's this term called the amygdala hijack and road rage. There are so many stories of someone getting cut off or hit and someone jumps out of their car with a gun and shoots someone. That is amyg that's an amygdala hijack. It's a severe example of amygdala hijack, but it's what we do when we feel threatened or or that our survival. I, uh, when I, especially like a few years ago, I could never stop myself to like, before doing all of that, like I had the emotional reaction and then I just like spiraled with the emotion. Like I could never get a hold of myself. Yep. So do you have any recommendations for that? Mindfulness. <laughs> yeah. Developing a mindfulness. But here's the deal with mindfulness is the more you practice and you can practice by sitting down and closing your eyes and meditating. Or you can practice by throughout your day, just stopping and observing in the present moment. So our brains are always running ahead and planning into the future or rehashing the past. But if you can manage for a minute, several times a day to become fully present with what's going on around me, what do I smell? What do I hear? What do I see? How's my body feel? What emotions am I feeling? If you can start doing that, you're, you're developing greater and greater self-awareness. The greater your self-awareness, the earlier on in, in, a tr in an emotional trigger, you notice, oh, wow, look at this. I'm emotionally triggered. Most of us don't even get to that point. Most of us are, are so fast in our reaction and in, our, um, in taking action against someone that we think has done us wrong. So... Self-awareness is the first thing, is how can I build self-awareness? One of the things I teach, um, and I think it's really brilliant, is um, I teach people to, to journal. And there, there's a Harvard Business Review article that says the higher the, higher the um, level of leadership, the more you should keep a journal. And it's all about that being reflective, not just not being reactive, but also when you're a senior leader, you have to make really big decisions and you have to sort of factor in all kinds of different information. If you're not taking time to reflect about who you are, what you care about, your values, those decisions aren't going to be very good. So anything you can do to nurture and develop greater self-awareness, um, the better you'll be able to manage your emotions and your reactions.